0: Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Welcome everybody, it's Fresh Thinking at, as it is at always at this time of the week and it's lovely to be with you and to have the opportunity to connect, to talk, to share ideas. Uh, this is both, obviously, on radio and you can follow as well on Facebook Live. It's a great opportunity, by the way, to interact. And as always, I'd love to invite you to be part of the conversation. So if you've got something to say, if you've got an insight, if you've got a thought, if you'd like to celebrate with us, and I'll explain in a second what I mean by that, celebrate with us. So you can send a text message either via SMS on 34519 or via Telegram on oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. You could comment directly on Facebook, either on my Facebook page where we are live, or on the Chai FM Facebook page, or on Twitter, at Chai FM and at Rabbi Shish. Today is the 17th of Tammuz, and it's not a great day on the Jewish calendar. It's a fast day. I don't know if you are fasting, and if you are, let us know. That would be a nice way to start the conversation. Are you fasting today? Obviously, if you're not fasting, there's no need to broadcast or to apologize. There are many people today who are exempt from fasting because of the virus. So the question is, why are we fasting? We're very fortunate, by the way, in the Southern Hemisphere. I have to tell you, when I saw that the fast began at 5.42 a.m. and it ends at 5.49 this evening, I thought, wow, we are so fortunate. Cool weather Short fast, we really have nothing to complain about. In the Northern Hemisphere, it's a totally different story. So for most people, today is very focused on the fast and all the tragedies associated with it. Why do we fast today? Because bad things happened in Jewish history, starting from the golden calf and the, the breaking of the first set of tablets that God had given Moses on Sinai. We're going to take a bit of a different approach to the 17th of Tammuz today, because the nature of how it works out today is that something really special and spectacular is happening right across the international Jewish community today. And that is that there is this incredible learning program, and the truth of the matter is I'd love to encourage you, and we'll talk about it, love to encourage you to be part of this learning program. There's an amazing learning program that is right across the globe, and is accessible to every person regardless of how learned you might be or how religious you might be and it works on an annual cycle it it takes just shy of a year so that's why the date of the of this event is is different from year to year but today is the date on which we finish this particular learning cycle so it's strange because on the one hand today is a fast day and it's a day of sadness On the other hand, to have the collaborative effort of literally tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of people studying the same pieces of Torah together, and that all coming to a culmination today, that is a big big deal, and it's something that we need to talk about, we need to understand, to unpack, to experience, and to celebrate together. So I'd like to invite you, if you know what I'm talking about, you can comment via text 34519 on Telegram, 0618951019 or make a comment here on Facebook Live if you know what I'm referring to about the special celebratory program of Torah Learning that is happening today. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Jewish people get very nervous because uh, the thought of not being allowed to eat is very frightening for us. So here's somebody who sent an SMS, it's a pity that it's unsigned, who says, I was in the UK one year in the fast for this fast, and it ended at 10.30 p.m. All I could say is, Baruch Hashem, I'm glad that that is not our situation, not our circumstances. So as I said today, you have a choice. You could focus on the fast, or you could focus on something else. And I'll tell you an interesting thing. That when we're in, this is not just about a fast. It's not just about today being a day of sadness on the Jewish calendar. This is the beginning of a three-week period. I don't know about you, but personally, I dread this time of the year. It's got so many negative overtones. This is the time of the year that we commemorate some of the greatest tragedies in Jewish history. This is the time of the year when we think back to how we got into this mess in the first place. And when I say this mess, I mean the last 2,000 years of anti-semitism, expulsions, pogroms and the like. This is the time of the year that people will often tell you is not great muzzle, It's it's a time where we have restrictions on what we may or may not do. We don't celebrate in this time, we don't listen to music, we don't buy new clothing, we don't have haircuts or shave. It's very heavy, it's a time of introspection and it is also a time to reflect back on things that were tragic in our history. Now, it's interesting because from a Jewish perspective, even when you go through a difficult time, you're still supposed to find a way to lift yourself. It's interesting. So, for example, the Talmud speaks about the end of this period, the last nine days of this period, which will lead up to, the, to Tisha B'Av, which is the most tragic day of the, of the Jewish calendar. So it says, Misha Niklas Av, when the month of Av, which is this really sad time, when it enters... You're supposed to reduce your joy. So it's interesting. It doesn't say you should get rid of joy or you should become depressed. It's an interesting expression. The Talmud could have said that this is a time to be pensive. But it says you reduce your joy. That implies that even at a time such as this, we have a responsibility as Jewish people to find joy in an appropriate manner. So that doesn't mean we should be flippant or take this time lightly or ignore the fact that terrible things happened to us as a Jewish nation over this period. It just means that we're supposed to find a way to bring kosher simcha, kosher joy into this particular time of the year. Now, how do you do that? How do you generate an appropriate kind of happiness and joy in a time that the Torah has mandated to actually be a sad time? How do you do that? what are the methods and possibly the only method actually that we're supposed to or that we're allowed to use is at this time of the year to have celebrations related to torah study so we have a we have a custom in in the jewish community we have a custom that if a person completes a segment a meaningful segment of torah learning like an entire tractate of the talmud which would take a very long time if you study it properly so once you get to that milestone and you complete a section of Torah learning, you make a seum. Siyum literally means completion. But to make a seum means to turn it into an opportunity to celebrate. So we're not celebrating the, you know, the fact that, that life goes on and we're not necessarily celebrating in a flippant kind of way. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate in a meaningful way, to create a meaningful upliftment to an otherwise drab and dreary time. So that's what a siyum does. It doesn't have to be a negative time of the year to make a siyum. You can make a siyum any time. But the goal is that when you finish a major segment of Torah study, you celebrate that achievement. That's if you finish, let's say, one volume of a holy book of Torah law or of Torah. Can you then imagine if you finish the entire set of books? Like if a person completed the entire Talmud, they would make a massive celebration for that. And by extension, when a person finishes what we complete today, a 14-volume epic journey of study, it's a great opportunity to celebrate. So today is a day that for us, although it's a fast day and although it's associated with negativity, this year the way that it falls out actually lands up having more than even just a silver lining. And that's what I wanted to share with you today. So it's going to be a little different to our usual fresh thinking segment we usually we're quite conversational and try to be quite, uh, shall we say, maverick in our thinking. Today, I'd like to go through and share a little bit of the experience of what this celebration is. We know as Jewish people that there are many, many volumes of Torah that you could study. And in fact, you could be here for multiple lifetimes, and you would not exhaust the resources that are available. Most well-known people obviously know about studying the Torah, which we do on an annual basis. When I say the Torah, the five books of the Chumash. So we start and we finish on the same day every single year. And that's the big massive celebration of Simchas Torah. People come to shul. We sing. We dance. We eat well. We say L'chaim. What's the celebration? We've completed an annual cycle of studying the original text of Torah that everything else is built on. Now, Not necessarily, is it that everybody learns that text during the course of the year at great depth. But we learn it every week we go to shul. There's a portion of the week that somebody gets up and reads it from the scroll. We do some research on our own during the course of the week and certainly on Shabbos as well to know what the Torah portion is all about. And once we've gone through all the 53 Torah portions of the year, then we have a massive celebration called Simchas Torah. There are other kinds of celebrations like that, but here's something which is absolutely unique. Some 800 odd years ago, there was a man very famous by the name of Rabbi Moshe ben Maimon, otherwise known as Maimonides, or as we call him, the Rambam. The Rambam was a fascinating personality and an amazing man. He was a leader. He was an empath. He was a medical person. But that's not really who the Rambam was. The Rambam was a scholar par excellence. He made a contribution to Torah study that was so profound that if you go to Tiberius to his burial site and you look at his grave, the epithet that's on his grave says from Moses until Moses, because his first name was Moshe, Moses. Nobody else was as great as Moses. Imagine somebody like that who had such a profound impact on the world, that he was given that accolade, that he was compared to Rabban Shukola Nevi, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate Jewish leader, and the ultimate teacher of Torah. That's an incredible thing. So what did he do? What did the Rambam do that was so revolutionary, that was so exceptional, to earn him that particular moniker? What did he do? So some people will tell you that the Rambam wrote a fascinating work on human health. Others will tell you, That doctors until today reference some of the principles that the Rambam initiated all those years ago. Other people will tell you he's an amazing philosopher. He wrote the Murah Nebuchadnezzar, the Guide to the Perplexed, which is one of the most fundamental philosophical works in Torah. But it would be totally misguided to judge the Rambam based on those contributions without appreciating his primary contribution to Judaism. And that was his magnum opus, his 14-volume encyclopedia of Jewish law, which is called the Mishneh Torah. Mishneh Torah is a bold name. Mishneh Torah means the accessory to the Torah. So you read the five books of the Torah, and then you read this, and you pretty much know everything that you need to know as a Jewish person. That's what made the Rambam so powerful and special. And in a moment, we'll come back to discuss... Well, what's that got to do with today? If you personally have enjoyed studying the Rambam or any of his teachings, I'd love to hear about that. So share maybe your insights and experiences via text on 34519 or on Telegram 0618951019 or on Facebook, either on my page or the Chai FM page or on Twitter at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So today we're talking about the Rambam. Why the Rambam? It's not his birthday and it's not his Yurtzat. We're talking specifically because there's a study schedule of the Rambam's magnum opus, 14 volumes of Jewish law that we study on an annual basis and today is the day that we finish. Like I said at the beginning, we do a siyum. A siyum means when you make a formal completion of a series of study. And it's a cause for a celebration. So in fact, what we'll do today is we'll actually do the SEAM together, which would be quite phenomenal to have the opportunity both over the airwaves and over social media to have the, to have this opportunity to share a SEum together. But I think before that, just a little bit of background. Let's understand what's so significant about this particular study schedule. There are many study schedules out there, many annual or, um, or schedules that go over a number of years what's so unique about this particular one because I think once you understand a little bit about it you'll want in you want to have the opportunity to do it as well firstly what did the Rambam do that nobody prior and quite frankly nobody subsequently has done well if you take the first book of the Rambam you open it up his Mishnah Torah he gives a very interesting introduction and he explains that over the course of history, times have changed, socioeconomic circumstances have changed, spiritual circumstances have changed, and the reality is that the community is not necessarily as intellectually strong as it once was. In other words, what he says is, once upon a time you could leave people to their own devices, and they were headstrong enough, or wise enough, or committed enough, to wade through all of the Talmudic literature and try and get to a point where they would know how to apply it in real life. That's not really the case. We're scattered all over the place. Our Jewish communities are sometimes fractured. You go around the world there's some places where Jewish communities are teetering on the edge of collapse, where people have moved on, where there are perhaps not even more than a handful of Jews anymore. They don't necessarily have real rabbis. They don't have structures, communal structures. People are adrift. He also said that people are not as spiritually aware now as we used to be once upon a time. And so he felt that it was absolutely necessary to have something that had not been done in 1500 give or take years of Jewish history. And that was the concept of codifying Jewish law. That's why we, like I like to refer to it as the encyclopedia of Jewish law. If you've ever studied the Talmud, and I hope that you have, because it's absolutely brilliant, there is a frustration. The frustration is that things don't, I mean, there is an order. There's absolutely clearly an order in the Talmud. But it's not catalogued. There's no index at the beginning that says, consult this volume on that page to address this particular issue that you would like to understand. You've got to go through pages and pages, and sometimes it segues from one topic to another and then you wonder how did we get into this there's a lot of debate in the Talmud there are a lot of unresolved issues the goal of the Talmud was not to give you something that would be your take home handbook for how to live Jewish the goal of the Talmud was to get you to know how to think Jewish how to learn Jewish how to extrapolate how to engage how to analyze and therefore obviously how to apply Judaism at any given time in history. That's, by the way, what's kept Judaism so dynamic and alive. We're not stuck with a book and you just stick with that book. We engage, we talk, we argue, we debate, and Talmud effectively shows us how to do it. So you can't ever discard the Talmud and imagine that you're going to be Jewish. That's not possible. It's out of the question. You should, on a daily basis, study Talmud. It's without a question. That's what keeps Jews Jewish. That's what keeps us thinking. As Jewish people are meant to think, that's what keeps us connected to our heritage. The only thing is that, unfortunately, not everybody has their headspace all the time to delve as deeply into the Talmud as they should in order to know what Judaism says about all kinds of things. And therefore the Rambam said he was going to take the broad shoulders to write a companion to the Torah, which would be indexed and cataloged. So you would know that in this particular volume we're going to deal with these particular laws in a very specific, rational, strategic way, where he says, in this book we'll we'll talk about those laws, and then we'll talk about those laws, and then we'll talk about those laws. And he would give us clear, methodical insight into what it is that you need to know to be a Jewish person. He starts off the first section with the fundamentals of what you need to believe in order to be a Jewish person. Now that's unique because up until that point in time it wasn't very clearly collated in any specific text that says you need to believe these things in order to be Jewish. And he starts, That the foundation of all foundations and the pillar of all wisdom, To know that there is an original being, an original entity from which everything else comes, from which everything else develops. And then he goes from that into a whole lengthy treatise, About God and about how we're to perceive God and the fundamental things that we have to believe about God, creation and purpose. From there he talks about character development. Well now that you've acknowledged that there's a God, so you also then have to know how to behave as a human being even before we get to the laws. You would expect that this is an encyclopedia of Jewish law. You would expect that it would lead us into conversation about the do's and the don'ts. It's fascinating how the Rambam does it. He does not come from that angle and say, okay, here's the first thing you've got to do when you wake up in the morning. He first talks philosophy because as far as he's concerned and as far as Judaism is concerned, you cannot separate the two. There isn't a philosophical department and a legal department of Judaism. There isn't a theological aspect and perspective, what I believe in the abstract sense, And then how I behave in the practical. They are enmeshed. They rely on each other. You will only know how to behave if you acknowledge what you are meant to believe. And that's how he builds it. That's how the Rambam begins this incredible work. It is unlike any other Torah publication that precedes it. In the sense that he was the first person to create this method method, methodical approach. And the methodical approach is such that if you're a scholar of the Rambam, you will know that he only really explains things once. And then as you go through his work, you recognize that some of the issues can only be understood if you had studied the preceding issues. So in other words, if you wanted to study the Rambam, it wouldn't be a good idea just to go through it based on topics that you're interested in. Even though that's what he intended it for. And you can get the practical insight that you need. But if you really want to get the depth, and you really want to appreciate what's going on, he builds it in this most magnificent fashion. That's why he starts, Yesoid HaYesoidis. We'll start at the foundation. And then from there we'll build this mega structure of Jewish law where each thing builds on the information, the knowledge, and the insight of the preceding bit of information. Until you get into this, healthy, solid, stable ground of being Jewish. The other thing about his Encyclopedia of Jewish Law that is not only unprecedented but unrivaled is that he deals with every single area of Jewish law. You know, most people today will tell you correctly that if you want to behave properly as a Jewish person, your primary go-to set of books is called the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch means... The code of Jewish law, that's actually not the translation. The translation of Shulchan Aruch means the set table. So for example, if you were going to have a meal, the first thing you would want to do obviously is make sure that the table is set properly, that you don't have to schlep back and forth every time. Go get the salt, go get a fork. Go get. You want the whole thing to work. So the goal of the Shulchan Aruch was to tell us, if you want to be a Jewish person living in today's day and age, and you want to know what you should do on any given day, consult this book, it will tell you what to do. But the emphasis of it there is anything that is relevant for Judaism today. The Rambam discussed everything that will ever be relevant in Judaism. Whether it refers to legal issues that were historic. And here's the real kicker. Legal issues in Judaism that have not yet manifested. It's a fascinating work. Something absolutely worthwhile to learn. If you have just joined us, it's fresh thinking. You're with Rabbi Shishla today, talking about the incredible contribution that the Rambam made to Judaism in his code of Jewish law, which, by the way, was very controversial in its time because nobody had done such a thing before. We all completely rely on his teachings today, and specifically today, the seventeenth of Tammuz, five, seven, eight, oh, twenty twenty. There's a special reason to be talking about and celebrating the Rambam, which I'll tell you more about in just a moment. If you do have thoughts or if you have experience or you love something about studying the Rambam's teachings, why don't you share that with us? You can do so on Facebook Live on my page, on the Chai FM Facebook page, on Twitter at Chai FM or at Rabashish, or you could send a text message via SMS on 34519 or via Telegram on zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. If that's from outside of South Africa, it's plus plus two seven to be able to do that. So, with this scam, you can test for COVID-19 at one of their testing stations countrywide. What they've done is they're converting sections of parking lots into drive-through testing centers. You'll be tested while you're in your car by one of their nursing practitioners. A test costs 850 Rand. No bookings are required. Get results in five to seven working days or longer. Public holidays and weekends may delay results. For all the info you need sorry, on Discam's testing sites, visit ww.discam.co.za. Discam Pharmacists who care. Pick and pay Hyper more Mall has the following special, which is valid until the 12th of July, and it's just for you. Pick and pay butchery kosher okral kraal for only 89 rand, uh, only 99 rand 99 per kilo. Pick and pay butchery kosher lean mince, also 99.99 99 per kilo. You can get kosher lamb double chop for 189 rand 99 per kilo. Pick and pay fish minced hake, just 129 rand 99 per kilo. And fried braai sausages, 380 grams are just 31 rand 99. For all those specials and more, go to Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood Mall. That's the place to shop when you want to buy a lot. In today's world, who wants to buy a lot? Everybody just wants things to be, uh, I don't know, delivered. And you don't want a lot because we're not going anywhere. Uh, somebody sent an SMS over here to say, I'm mourning for my beloved father who passed away on the 26th of June. I'm not fasting, but celebrating his passing he was 86 years old i don't know who that was from but we do wish you a long life and please god good memories and simchas in the future um it's important obviously to mourn and it's important to celebrate a person's life and legacy today we're celebrating the legacy of the ramban so so far what we've seen is that the ramban made this incredible contribution unprecedented contribution and by the way in today's world everybody uses unprecedented all the time right that's the new buzzword unprecedented loving by the way the messages of people saying where in the world you're tuned in from it's great so obviously we've got south africa we've got greetings from israel from the uk and from the usa maybe we can even be a little bit more specific where in those countries you are just for fun where are you tuning in from that's that's an interesting discussion in its own right. Go ahead and let us know. I think, uh, tell us which, which town, not just which country, which town are you tuning in for? This is going to be a lot of fun. So what did the Rambam do? He unprecedented. That's the big word. That's the buzzword in today's world. He did an unprecedented thing of collating all of Jewish law in this encyclopedic fashion, nicely indexed, very methodical by subject. And you can pretty much look for whatever you want. But I was saying that His big thing is, not only did he speak about what Jews have to do today, not only did he speak about what Jews were obligated to do back then when we had a temple and there were laws of purity and impurity and bringing sacrifices, but he also spoke about what's still to come. There are legal elements of Judaism that haven't yet manifested. And that's a fascinating thought. He's the only person to write in an halachic fashion about how do you know who Mashiach is? And what is Mashiach supposed to do? That's fascinating in its own right. Uh, thanks, Renee. Renee is telling us that she's tuned in from Tel Aviv. Where else? Where else in the world? Where are you listening from? Uh, Richard says, Wembley in the UK. That's nice. That's really nice. I wonder um, how the weather is on your side. Tel Aviv and, and Wembley. Probably and a lot warmer than it is over here. Although we shouldn't complain. So... What's spectacular about the Rambam is if you took those 14 volumes and you went from the beginning to the end, it is the only systematic way that you could follow that would give you an opportunity to get an overview of the whole of Judaism, say the whole of practical Judaism, even though he has deep philosophical insights at the beginning. But overall, it's everything that you need to know about how to be Jewish in 14 volumes. Yes, I know you'd prefer the paperback version. But 14 volumes is a mega achievement, by the way. To get all of that information and condense it into 14 volumes in language that every person could understand is a huge achievement. He for sure would have gotten a Nobel Prize for literature had he lived in today's world. And and, and let's be honest. That doesn't even give us an insight into how brilliant his wording is. And and when you learn it, you'll notice he's so carefully weighed in the words that he uses. But that's subject for another conversation. Because what I'm really interested in, here is an opportunity. You're being offered an opportunity right now to get to understand everything that you need to know as a Jewish person in just 14 volumes. Now, that might sound like a lot, and it might sound like a lifetime's exercise. It's actually not. It's actually not. This is the fascinating thing. You know what they say? How do you eat the elephant, right? How do you achieve great things in life? Incrementally. Fourteen volumes of Jewish law may not sound attractive to the average person. And it may sound completely overwhelming to most of us. But when you have a system in place, and you can follow that system in a methodical way, and you could take bite-sized pieces, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at where you land up and you'd be surprised at how much knowledge you could gain in a relatively short period of time. So in 1984, I actually remember when this happened, in 1984 the Lubavitcher Rebbe launched a campaign to get every single Jewish person to do this program, to study the whole Rambam from start to finish, all 14 volumes. And he said, if we do this, you know what we achieve? We achieve two major things. The first one is on the individual level. The individual gets to have an appreciation for the whole of Torah. Think about that. You get to have an appreciation and insight into the whole of Torah. Top to bottom. That in itself is a mega achievement if you did it alone. Now we know that our heritage and our connection to Hashem is directly through Torah. Yes, on the deepest soul level, we have a direct connection to Hashem beyond the Torah. But we don't live at the deepest level of our soul's connection. We live in the here and now. We live in the place where you watch the weather and the COVID numbers. We live in the world where you pay taxes and you complain about the speed of your internet. So in this world, we need something that will help us to experience that connection to Hashem, and it is Torah. The different parts of Torah create different, call it, spiritual neural pathways between us and Hashem. So the more components of Torah you can bring into your intellectual spiritual diet, the more opportunity you have to connect to Hashem in a deep, meaningful way. Because as long as you're just going down one particular channel, well then you're connected at one particular level. The question is, how do you get this holistic experience of plugging to God? How do I plug into God from the angle of daily life, as well as the angle of damages and personal injury? What about the angle of things that I've never dreamt of studying in my life before? How do you plug in? So the more components of Torah that you can engage with, the more developed that relationship will be with Hashem. So on the personal level, to get those 14 volumes and work through them methodically is life-changing, not just in terms of the intellectual property that you'll have, but in terms of what it will do for you. So I'm curious. Anybody here ever done that? If you have... Send us a message, 34519, or a telegram message, 0618951019, or comment on Facebook. I'd love to know if you've ever done it, gone from start to finish, 14 volumes. And how long did it take you? This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Loving it how people are uh, telling us where you're listening from. I love that. So here's Gary who says he's listening from the m one highway in Boisons. Gary, all I could say is you have my sympathies. I would not really want to be on the M1 highway in Boisons right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so here we go. So we're talking about the Rambam, the first major achievement of this learning program that the Rebbe initiated in 1984 was to give you and I... The opportunity, and I say that, you and I, before that, I'd never been exposed to such a thing, to such a concept. And I'll be perfectly honest, the first couple of years, I was young and I was like, no way. There is no way that I'm going to be able to do this. It's way too much information. And it took quite a number of years to actually get into it. Second major achievement is that the secret weapon of the Jewish nation is unity. When we're together together. When we are linked to each other, which is not so easy, by the way, because we have many things that we disagree on. Politically, we disagree. Religiously, we disagree. How many factions of Judaism exist, unfortunately? It's tragic. The whole reason that we've gone into this three-week period of national mourning is because of incidents that happened in our history, which were all the cause of breakdown of the society, lack of connection, lack of unity. Imagine if we could get people around the Jewish world, regardless of which community you belong to, regardless of what your religious standing is, regardless of your political ideology, regardless of what you believe about Haredim, or what you believe about irreligious Jews. Could you imagine if we could get everybody together and say, put all of that nonsense aside, let's all embark on a learning program that we'll all do together. The unity that that creates is phenomenal. Imagine, go anywhere in the world, and you see people who don't even necessarily wear a kippah on their head, who don't keep a kosher home, who don't keep Shabbos, but they're learning the same daily portion as you and I. Why? Because it's accessible. Because it doesn't take huge intellectual challenge, because it's made for you and I to be able to study. And you can check in anywhere around the world. And the resources are online, and they can be delivered right to your mailbox. There's WhatsApp groups. There's online, uh, chabad.org, forward slash daily Rambam. There are all kinds of ways. So the Rebbe wanted to have a program that would bring Jews together in spite of all the stuff that pushes us apart. And bring us together in a meaningful way. And bring us together in a way that we're united, even though I don't necessarily You have to step out of my comfort zone. I can be in my own living room and engage in this process. And I gain, again, incredible spiritual insight. And I gain an incredible sense of connection with all of my fellow Jews. What an amazing thing. Like I said, the program runs just shy of a year. So if you do the full program, the full suite, Basically, you study three chapters of the Rambam's of Torah every single day. Now, three chapters is a big ask, I'll be honest. It takes focus. You're going to have to carve out a piece of your day every single day if you want to do it properly. But within a year, you will have an insight into Judaism like you cannot believe. And when you do it for the third, fourth year, you actually start to realize, I know things that that... <laughs> I don't have to consult, I don't have to look up in a book. I know what Judaism thinks about a whole range of subjects. By the way, many of which are people, uh, sorry, not people, many of which are subjects that have only become issues in modern times. But I know how Judaism thinks. If that's too onerous and you don't know that you can handle three chapters a day, and let's be honest, it's a proper commitment if you're going to do the full three chapters a day. Certain sections, those chapters are not too bad. Other sections, those chapters are long and technical. So then there's another alternative, which is to study one chapter per day, and you finish the cycle within the course of three years. And what's wrong with that? Could you imagine if somebody told you that within three years from today... You could be in a position that you you have this overarching insight into the whole of Judaism. You'd say, give it! 100%. And if that's too much to consider, fine. There's something made for everybody. So the most entry level is what we call Sefer HaMitzvos. In addition to his Mishnah Torah, this compendium of Jewish law, The Rambam also wrote what is called Sefer HaMitzvahs, a very succinct overview of all 613 precepts of Judaism. And there's a schedule for that where you study a few mitzvahs each day and during the course of the the year you get to complete the whole thing. Uh, Rene said something about Corona. Uh, I'm going to come back to that in just a second. By the way, it's interesting you said it. I'll come back to that in just a second. So, um... So what what this Sefer Mitzvah does is it gives you an opportunity to do really a very minimalistic effort on a daily basis. You can literally get it as an email. You can go to Chayenu. There's an app called Hayenu. You can download that. There are so many points of entry in today's world. And you'll be, again, you'll be blown away. I never knew that that's something that Judaism held as a value. I never knew that that's something that Judaism disapproves of. I never knew that this is how Judaism thought. It will completely overtake you. So it's interesting, Rene said, uh, what about Corona? You know, maybe this will help get rid of the Corona. So some years ago, the Rebbe actually spoke about that and he said that in Hebrew, the word that is the word for illness is machala. Machala is the overarching word for illness. And in Hebrew, every letter has a numerical value. So if you take the numbers associated with the letters of machala, it totals 83. When the Rambam put together these 14 volumes of Jewish law, he split it up into 83 sections of law within those 14 volumes. And so the Rebbe said, by studying the 83 segments of Jewish law that are in this book, or in the series of books, that gives us spiritual protection against machala, against illness. Isn't that fascinating? So here we are, we're in the middle of this global pandemic. People are quite concerned about what's going to happen, how we're going to be safe. In the midst of this, we're at a point today where we're rounding off the annual cycle of Rambam, which means that tomorrow the new cycle of study begins, which means tomorrow you could get on board, for real. Tomorrow you could go to Chabad.org and find out how to do it and subscribe to their emails. Or you could go to the Chayeno app and you can download it on your phone and it will come literally to be on your device every time that you need it. And you could do this thing. Maybe speak to your rabbi. A whole lot of rabbis have made WhatsApp groups where they're going to be teaching on a daily basis. They're going to teach. Speak to your rabbi. Maybe he's got a group. And you can create the opportunity to protect in a spiritual way against the machala, against the disease that's ravaging our world right now. So yes, absolutely. Look how many benefits. There's the benefit of knowledge, of real meaningful knowledge. You know what it's like as a Jewish person to feel out of your depth, to feel ignorant, to feel there's an area of... And by the way, this is not because the person is religious or irreligious. There are plenty of religious people who are completely ignorant of whole sections of the Torah because they just don't come up. They don't come up in conversation until somebody happens to ask you about it and then you think, oh my goodness, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Can you imagine having that incredible sense of knowledge? You're not going to become an overnight Torah scholar, but you'll have the security of knowing at least... At a basic level, what Judaism teaches. Imagine having the sense that you're participating in a global activity, a global exercise with tens of thousands of Jews. And then, of course, it has also this promise of protection against Machala. Wow, to me it's a no-brainer. I would sign up tomorrow, except that i am signed up already. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So the as we've just got a few minutes left. We're going to do something special all together. As I said, today is the day that we complete the annual cycle of the Rambam study, if you follow the one chapter a day or the mitzvah. And I did mention that a the conclusion of a section of Torah, is a way to bring healthy and appropriate joy into a time that is otherwise negative and sad. At this time, I think we need that. I think a lot of people are feeling quite down, and we need something to lift us. So I'd like to, with your permission, conclude and make the seum of the 14 volumes of Rambam from this year's cycle together with you. That means that you're now participating and you get to share the simcha and to share the benefit. And hopefully that will inspire you to get on board and study it from tomorrow going forward. The very last section of the 14 volumes of Rambam is where the Rambam speaks about kings, that there are laws that apply to kings in Judaism. How a king is supposed to behave, what the king's responsibilities are, who could qualify to be a king, how the succession plan of kings works, what the rights and responsibilities of a king are. And then he dedicates the final two chapters of the entire book, and you can understand why uh, logically, chronologically. He dedicates the final two chapters to the king that we're all looking forward to greeting. That is the king called Moshiach. And he speaks about the fact that as Jewish people, you know why we're so obsessed with Moshiach and why do we want Moshiach? Not because we're looking to have the upper hand and to control the whole world. Not because we're looking to colonize every country on the planet. Not because we want Jews to be the powerful nation on earth. Simply because when Moshiach comes in his word, we won't have the stress that we have in our lives currently and therefore, we will be in a position to totally commit ourselves to knowing God. That's what we're looking forward to. To have the time and the insight to know God. And so therefore, he ends off, and I'll share the final paragraph with you. In that time, the time of the age of Moshiach, At that time, there will never again be famine. There will never again be war. Neither will there be any envy or competition in the world. Why not? Because in the time of Moshiach, goodness will be in excess. And all of the luxuries of life will be as available as dust itself. Whatever you want, whatever you need, at your fingertips. Why? Why? So that we have no stress and no distractions, so we can focus on what's really important. In fact, that's what he alludes to when he says that all the luxuries will be like dust. Think about it: if something is freely, freely available, that's no longer so compelling. You don't really care about it so much anymore. So, in other words, in the time of Mashiach, we won't care for material things because they'll be so ubiquitous. Instead, we'll learn to care about what really counts. Well, therefore, at that time, I'm sorry, I skipped a line. The occupation of the entire world. The entire world. Not just the Jewish world. Moshiach is not coming for the Jews. Moshiach is coming for the whole world. The entire occupation of the whole world will be simply to know God. Therefore, the Jewish nation will be incredibly wise. And they will know the secrets of the deepest things of life. And they will be able to comprehend the knowledge of God to the extent of human potential. As the prophet Isaiah says, That at that time the world will be filled with knowledge of God as the ocean bed is covered with water. Can you imagine such a world? A world of absolute awareness, absolute connection. That's what we're looking forward to. In the merit of us studying the Rambam together, Hashem should protect us, keep us healthy, and take us straight to greet Mashiach. Thank you for being part of this. I definitely encourage you to try your hand at studying the Rambam starting tomorrow. If you'd like the details, chabad.org forward slash daily Rambam or look, at, look out for the Chayenu app. And uh, please God to bring us all the brochures that we need. And we should see the coming of Mashiach now. Have a wonderful day. Have a good Shabbos. For those of you who are fasting, the fast should go easily and it should be meaningful. Stay safe and stay sane.